I'm so thankful. America's not perfect by any stretch, but it was founded on Christian principles. It was founded, believe it or not, like it or not, it was founded on Judeo-Christian faith. And it was. Just go look at the founding documents. But today I want to talk to you about a freedom of another kind. I'm so glad we're free to come to church today, uh, worship God the way we want. How many of you are glad for that? Amen? That we're free to worship. And, um, but you know what, though? You wouldn't want to worship if you hadn't been set uh, free in another way. Jesus came to set us free indeed. He whom the Son frees is free indeed. Now, we've been talking about Lazarus for the past few weeks, and you know what? I didn't think I was going to get four messages out of the story of Lazarus, but I have, because it happened in four stages. We've talked about faith for today, not just yesterday faith or someday faith, but faith for today. Then the next week, we talked about loose him. When Jesus said, loose him, well, before that, roll the stone away. Remember that one where we've learned to get things out of the way of our faith. We've got to roll the stone of unbelief away, the roll of hurt away, uh, the roll of unforgiveness. We've got to roll that stone of unforgiveness away. And then Jesus said, loose him, because even though he was resurrected, he wasn't loosed. Even though he was resurrected, he was still wrapped in some grave clothes. We talked about that. Now, today, I want to talk to you about who Jesus commanded to loose him. So let's read John eleven forty four. We're going to read just one verse. And it says concerning Lazarus, when he came out of the tomb, the dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, can we read it together? Loose him. Let's try it. One, two, three. Loose him and let him go. But who did he tell that to? Who did he command to do that? Well, Jesus didn't do it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He commanded his followers to do it. And so I want to talk to you today about the ministry of loosing. God has called all of us, you, me, all of us, not just me, you also, all of us, to be involved in the ministry of loosing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your blessing. We pray that, Lord, you will speak to us out of the Word. Lord, I pray that the Word will change us, rearrange us, renew our minds, and I pray for divine light to shine, that, Lord, a spirit of revelation would fall on this congregation, that, Lord, we are called not just to be believers, not just to go to heaven someday, but to be involved actively in setting people free in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. In his name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, loose him. Loose him, loose him. Amen. You can be seated. Now, just a couple of things. Um, Jesus said, loose him and let him go. That phrase, let him go, is identical to Jesus' words that he spoke when they came to arrest him. And he said to the soldiers, let these, my disciples, go their way. Let my disciples, they didn't do anything wrong. You're here to get me, not them. So let them go their way. Now let that little phrase sink in. Because when Jesus said, let them go their way, he said the same thing here. Loose him, regarding Lazarus, loose him and let him go his way. 
loose him and let him go his way. Free him to take the path God has for him. Loose him and let him go his way. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but when Jesus sets us free, it's always so that we can go our way. That is the way that God has marked out for us. Because if he didn't set us free, we couldn't go our way. We couldn't go the way he's called us to go, live the way he's called us to live, walk the path he's called us to walk. We, we would not be involved in the good works of the kingdom of God. We would not be released to go God's way for us if Jesus didn't set us free. Because until he sets us free, we're all bound up like Lazarus. Our hands are tied, our feet are tied, our mouth is bound, we're bound. But when Jesus says, loose him, loose her, and let them go. He's really saying, loose them so they can go the way I've marked out for them. How many of you love walking the path Jesus has marked out for you? Amen? The path he's marked out for you. So Jesus sets us free. Satan binds you every time. Satan enslaves you every time. Sin enslaves you every time. But Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is truly free. Amen. So Lazarus was resurrected, notice, but he wasn't free to go. He wasn't free to go where God wanted him to go until he was loosed. Now, I I know two things in this story. I I thought to myself, you know, just a chapter or two later, Jesus is crucified and he, he is raised from the dead. And the Bible says that when they looked in there into that tomb, they saw his grave clothes nicely stacked in the corner, and the napkin that had been wrapped around his face was separate from the grave clothes, and Jesus had removed the grave clothes on his own. He didn't need anybody to set him free from his grave clothes. Amen? But when it came to Lazarus, Lazarus needed help. Now, I want you to catch this. Lazarus was resurrected. He was a walking, talking miracle, but he needed to be set free. He needed to be loose. He needed the grave clothes unwrapped off of him. He needed help in getting free. At Lazarus' resurrection, Jesus did the resurrecting, but then Jesus turned to the people standing there, and he let others do the freeing. Jesus did the resurrecting. But he asked others, commanded others to do the freeing. Let that sink in deep. Jesus raised him from the dead like somebody who gets saved is raised from the spiritual dead. But he commanded others to do the loosing. In other words, there was body ministry. There was the help of others. Jesus could have walked up himself, could he not? And unwrapped those grave clothes himself, could he? Could he? Come on. Could Jesus have done it? Of course he could have done it. He could walk right up to Lazarus and said, hold still, son. I've I've raised you from the dead. Now I'm going to set you free. But he chose not to do that, and that was not a mistake. He turned to others, and he said to others standing there, loose him and let him go his way. Now, I don't know who stepped in. I guarantee you Mary and Martha jumped at it. Mary and Martha jumped in, his two sisters, and they began to undo those grave clothes. And maybe a couple of the disciples undid the grave clothes. But here's the idea. Church, I want us to understand today. Every week, we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing people saved all the time. But you know what Jesus says to us, the body of Christ? Now you loose them and let them go. 
You get involved in their freedom. You get involved in their liberty. You get involved in helping them come out of those old grave clothes to walk in newness of life. It's body ministry in action. Jesus raises them from the dead. He does what we could never do. But then he tells us to do what we can do. And he says, loose him, loose her. Be involved in their freedom. Be involved in their getting free. Come on, everybody. Get involved. See, I believe this is a powerful illustration of a New Testament truth for the church. Jesus resurrects people out of the grave of sin and saves them. But he calls the church to play a role in freeing them to walk in God's will. You know, we have Celebrate Recovery here. We have a a class that happens every week, Tuesday night and Thursday night. And, and, And Celebrate Recovery is all about people coming in. They're saved. Most of them are saved, but they have grave clothes. They have habits. They have old ways of thinking, old ways of doing, grave clothes that are still wrapped around them from their old life. And Celebrate Recovery is involved in helping take those grave clothes off so that they can walk in newness of life. And it's one of the most incredible things you've ever seen. If you ever go to a Celebrate Recovery graduation, you hear people stand up there and say, man, I was so bound. I was so wrapped up in this or that or the other sin. But going through Celebrate Recovery and here the truth of God's word has set me free. See, freedom is progressive. Salvation is instant, but freedom is a process. Salvation is instant. The minute you say, Jesus, forgive me and come into my life, instantly, right then, you're saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved instantly. But freedom is a lifelong process. It is layer after layer after layer of old ways of thinking and doing and going and being removed and and stepping into the new thing that God has called you and I to walk in. And it takes a lifetime. It is day by day, month by month, year by year. How many of you can say, I'm freer today than I was five years ago? Amen. Look at that. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. See, he, he sets us free to live resurrected lives, but then those grave clothes got to come off. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world in the way that it thinks, in the way that it does things, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's talking about erasing the old ways of thinking and doing and replacing them with new ways of thinking and doing. And it takes a lifetime. I'm glad to tell you today that if you keep walking with Jesus, you're going to be freer one year from now than you are right now. Amen? Amen. Now, I really do believe that there are people here today who long to live resurrected lives. See, when you get a new nature, when Jesus comes into your heart, it's not rehabilitation. It is not a New Year's resolution. It's not your willpower that is bringing change. It's not turning over a new leaf and deciding to do some self-help. Salvation is when you are changed from the inside out. Salvation is an inside job. It's something only God can do. He gives you a heart transplant. He gives you a brand new heart, a brand new nature, where you start liking things you used to hate, and you start hating things you used to like. You get the very nature of God planted and placed inside of you. And that's the beginning of a lifetime of getting freer and freer and freer and freer and freer and freer. 
Jesus said you'll know the truth and it'll make you free. The verb tense there in the original Greek in which the New Testament was written is, is, is like this. You will keep knowing the truth. You will keep hearing the truth. And the truth will keep setting you freer and freer. It's not a one-time thing. You will keep on hearing the truth, and the truth will keep on setting you more and more free. You will know the truth ongoingly, and the truth will ongoingly set you free. Amen? Did you ever notice when the children of Israel were taking over the promised land, they only did it city by city and town by town. God did not give it to them all at once. And God told them why. He said, if I gave it to you all at once, the wild beasts would overtake you because there wouldn't be enough of you to handle the wild beasts that would attack the towns. So I've got to wait for you to grow in numbers. And as you grow in numbers, I can give you another town, another city, so that when the wild beasts attack, there's enough of you to drive them away. And it's the same thing with us. God says, I got to wait for you to grow some, then I'll give you another town. I got to wait for you to grow a little bit more, and then I'll give you another town. And grow a little more, and I'll give you another city. And bit by bit, we take over the promised land, and we get freer and freer and freer. Some of you long to live a resurrected life. You're wondering, I got saved, but how come I'm still dealing with all this stuff? You've been born again, you're risen from the spiritual dead, but you're still tangled up in burial clothes, habits, thinking, dealing with oppression, dealing with depression, dealing with uh, struggles in the flesh, dealing with temptation, dealing with things that, that are carryovers from your old life. The message today is Jesus says to the body of Christ, loose him Loose her and let them go free to go the way that I've marked out for them. So let me just tell you a couple of ways that we can loose people. How many of you know how to loose, let somebody go free? Okay, that's two of you. I'm excited about that response. How many of you want to see somebody go free? Come on. How many of you have somebody in your life that needs to go free? Okay, now we're getting down to business. Now watch this. Here's one way the church more than anything else on earth, and uniquely the church can set somebody free, and that is by forgiving them, forgiving them. There is power, church, in releasing someone from guilt and shame through forgiveness. You know, when I got saved, I got really saved. I mean, when I got saved, I got saved. How many of you can say that? When I got saved, man, I got saved. I was all in, right? When I got saved, I got saved. It rocked my world. And, and before very long at all, God called me to ministry. Shocked me. I've told you about it all the t- many, many different times. I had terrible stage fright. That was one of the things, one of the grave clothes I carried from my old life. I didn't have any confidence. I didn't have any confidence to stand in front of people and talk. And it just like God to call you to stand in front of people and talk? When you don't have any confidence to stand in front of people and talk? Isn't that just like God? Um, and, and, but God was dealing with me to, to go into the ministry, to preach the word, teach the word, get involved in the work of God. But one day he said something to me that really threw me. He said, Jeff, I want you to go to your dad and I want to, I want you to ask your dad to forgive you. Now, my dad was not a believer at all. And he had already thought that I had gone from drugs to crazy religion. 
So, see, he already thought that I was kind of got, went from one form of nutty to another. And, and so it was like, why should I go to him and ask him to forgive me? And God said, because you hurt him deeply, and I want to carry you on. And I want to carry you forward into what I've called you to do. But for that to happen, I want you to hear your dad say, I forgive you. And I said, Lord, he's not going to receive it. He's, he's going to think I'm crazy. God said, do it. I remember going over to my dad's house, going into the living room. And all the way there, I was remembering all the ways that I rebelled against him, that I, that I cursed him, that I did terrible things that, that broke my dad's heart. Now, he had hurt me, too, and I was, it was sort of a retaliatory thing. But that doesn't matter when it comes to forgiveness. When you need to forgive, it's not what they did. It's what you need to get done. And so I, I went, and I, and I said, Dad, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? We're sitting in the living room. My dad's studying me up and down. What, what are you, what's up, Jeff? And I said, Dad, I need you to forgive me. Well, he doesn't even understand that lingo. That's, not, that's Christian lingo. That's not, that's not secular lingo. And I said, Dad, I need you to forgive me. He said, what for? And I said, all those things that I did that hurt you. So he said, oh, I don't need to forgive you. And I said, Dad, I need to hear you say, Jeff, I forgive you. He said, well, okay, I forgive you. And you know what happened? Sitting right there, some grave clothes came off of me. Because, that's right. Because I was carrying some guilt and some shame about how I treated him and my mother and my family. And when he said, I forgive you, it had power. Even though he wasn't a believer, it had power. There is power in forgiveness. There's people in your life maybe today that need to hear you say, I forgive you. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. Well, I didn't deserve it either. None of us deserved it. We didn't deserve Jesus dying for us on the cross, but he did. Right? And, and, and maybe there's somebody in your life, a spouse, a child, an in-law, an outlaw, whoever, that you need to forgive. And in forgiving them, it's powerful. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, including people, will be loosed in heaven. Do you see the connection? One day Jesus is teaching a crowd of people, and they bring a woman and, and they throw her at his feet. She is in shame. She is embarrassed. Her face is beat red with shame. They say, Jesus, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The Bible says we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus, as you know, stooped down and started writing something in the, in the dirt. Most commentators believe he was writing the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments. We don't know what he was writing. I'd love to know, but we'll never know. Till we get to heaven. But he stood up and he said, okay, those of you without sin, you cast the first stone. And all you could hear was rocks hitting the ground with a thud as one man after another after another walked away. But watch this now. Here's this woman. Even though she's not about to get stoned to, get to death, she is still in the bondage of shame. She needs forgiveness like some of you need forgiveness. Some of you watching by streaming video, you need forgiveness. You need to know that the blood of Jesus washed your sin away. Now watch this. And, and so... Jesus said, where did your accusers go? And she said, they, they've all left. And Jesus said these words to her, catch this. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And, and if I could have talked to that woman, I can tell you that right then and there, the grave clothes of shame and embarrassment and condemnation were, were, were unwrapped 
were taken off of her and she walked away to go the path that God had laid out for her. He said the magic words, go, go, go. You're free to go. I've set you free to go. Now you can go the path I've marked out for you. My forgiveness has set you free. Now go, go and sin no more. And I got to think of all the times that Jesus touched people where he said the word go because he always sets us free to go, not to stay and be bound and shackled, but to go, to run, to laugh, to enjoy life, to be free. He told the 10 lepers, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed and set free. He told the paralyzed man that was lowered down through the roof by his friends, go home, go home, go home. They had to carry you here, but now you're free to walk home yourself. He told the horribly demon-possessed man of Gadara, who had been possessed like no one else, he set him free, and he said, go home and tell what great things the Lord has done for you. He could not have gone home before Jesus set him free. He lived in the graveyards. He cut himself with stones. He lived a horrible, dark, black, enslaved life. But Jesus set him free. And what was he free to do? Go home and tell. Man, I tell you, that's good stuff. Aren't you glad? Doesn't it bless you when Jesus says, go and do and be? All that I've told you and called you to go and do and be. Hallelujah. When we refuse to let someone go through forgiveness, we're in a very real way keeping them bound. If my dad had said, Jeff, I just can't forgive you, it would have affected me. But I walked out of there and continued my journey towards preaching and teaching and ministering. My dad, and I was later able to lead him to Christ. He went to heaven when he died. But listen, Jesus tells all of us regarding those who need forgiveness in our orbit. He tells all of us, loose them and let them go. Amen. So say with me, forgiveness. Forgiveness is one way we let people go free. Now there's another one. Oh, this is so important. Uh, Here it is. Truth. How do we let people go free? Truth spoken in love. Truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. There's all kinds of truth. There's factual truth. You are sitting in Turning Point Church in the state of Texas on a planet called Earth. That's true. And if you tell me that's not true, I want to pray with you after church. That's true. There is theoretical truth. That is something that might be true given the right circumstances. It's something might theoretically be true. But then listen, there is absolute truth, unchanging truth. Truth that is always the same, that never bends or bows or breaks according to the whims and desires of men. And there is truth that Jesus spoke about. He said, I am the truth and I tell the truth and the truth that I tell sets you free. Paul told the Ephesian church, watch this. Instead, speaking the truth. How, everybody? In love 
we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is ahead, that is Christ. Now watch these words. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Truth changes you and me. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into him and be freer and freer and freer and freer. Now, who is he telling to speak the truth? He's telling the body of Christ to speak the truth, not just the preacher. My job is to convince you you're called. See, that just went over huge. No, Jeff, you're called. You're the one up there. You're the one that's the pastor of the church. No, I'm called to convince you, according to the word of God, that you're called to go set people free. You're called to be involved in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an anointing on you, a call on you, a purpose for you, a destiny for you. You can reach people I'll never meet. And you're called to play a part in setting them free. That's right. Now notice, he didn't just say, tell the truth. But he said, tell it in love. Speak the truth in love. story is told of a man who received a call from his wife. Just as she was about to fly home from Europe, she said, how's my cat? He said, dead. Oh, honey, don't be so honest. Why didn't you break the news to me more slowly? You've ruined my trip. He said, what do you mean? She said, well, you could have told me he was on the roof. And when I called you from Paris, you could have told me he was acting sluggish. And then when I called from London, you could have said he was sick. And then when I called you from New York, you could have said he was at the vet. And then when I arrived home, then you could have told me he was dead and let me down easy. The husband had never been exposed to this kind of protocol at all, but he was willing to learn. He said, okay. He said, I'll I'll do better next time. Now, she said, by the way, how's mom? There was a long silence, and he said, she's on the roof. But isn't it funny how we need truth mixed with love? We need truth mixed with love, don't we? Amen. We need truth mixed with love. See, Bible truth, listen, is a powerful thing. Bible truth is absolute universal truth. Hear me on this one. There's no book like the one you hold in your hand. There is no book on earth like the one you hold in your hand, your Bible. It's the only book on earth that didn't come from earth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It came from above. It's truth, that Bible of yours. It's true every time. It's true in every place. It's true for all people, all ethnicities, all places, all continents. It never changes or adapts to suit other people. This was the truth Jesus taught and that the Bible is filled with. Moral truth, ethical truth, spiritual truth, irrefutable truth, absolute truth about God, the human race, creation, the devil, eternity, heaven, hell. It tells the truth. It's unvarnished, undiluted truth. It's a love letter from God. All 66 books wrapped up into one volume. It's a giant love letter from God with the pure words of God in it. And at the center of the entire volume of Scripture 
is Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, and the testimony of his sacrifice for you and me on the cross. Paul wrote how true it is. I'm quoting Paul now. How true it is. There's that word. How true it is and how I long that everyone should know it, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the greatest of them all. He said, this is true. This is a truism. This is an unbending, eternal truth that Jesus Christ came into the world as the very Son begotten of God to die for our sins on an old rugged tree so that we could be forgiven and we could experience liberty there. His truth, how true it is, how true it is. Jesus said that God's truth, Bible truth, including the words he himself taught, and the truth of his death on the cross has the amazing power to set people free. Factual truth can't do that. Theoretical truth can't do that. Situational truth can't do that. But Bible truth can do that. Bible truth sets you free. You will know the truth and it will make you free. The Jews of Jesus' day, that's not the kind of freedom they were expecting from their Messiah. They wanted freedom from Roman tyranny, but that's not the kind of freedom he came to give. It's not the kind of freedom some in our day think. When you say the word free, what are you thinking? You're thinking, well, to do what I want, when I want, how I want. To go when I want to go and come when I want to come and be a free agent. But that's not the kind of freedom that Jesus was talking about when he said, you'll know the truth and it'll make you free. He was talking about freedom on the inside. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of the prince of darkness. Freedom. Paul wrote that when a person got saved, they would have this testimony, having been set free from sin, I became a servant of righteousness. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand for that? How many of you? Come on. The hands that used to sin, the eyes that used to sin, the mouth that used to sin, the body that used to sin, now is given totally to him. And having been set free from sin and its power, now I'm a servant of the Most High God and my life is being used for the cause of righteousness. Come on, everybody. You can do better than that. This is good news. The Message Bible says, if you stick with living out the truth of what I tell you, Jesus talking here, if you stick with living out the truth of what I tell you, then you're my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will free you. And that's where the church comes in. The church comes in. This ought to be a place where when you walk into the doors of a church, you hear truth. You hear truth, you hear truth with love. There's some churches you can walk into, they'll beat you to death with a big heavy Bible. Bang, bang, bang. You, you leave feeling worse than when you walked in. You needed help when you walked in. But a balanced church will give you the truth in love. Cindy and I were eating out the other day. She ordered some chicken and it was dry. It was dry. I could see that it was dry. And she said... I need more gravy on this chicken. She called the waitress over and said, give me, give me some gravy. And, and she brought over some more gravy and made the chicken totally edible. I know I'm making some of you hungry. I know what you're thinking. 
But it, it made it totally edible. Now listen, the word without love is like dry chicken. Yeah. I mean, it's just like dry. You, you, oh, man, this is, this is hard to chew. But if you put the gravy of love on it, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so we're to minister God's word, not with a hammer, but with a velvet glove. Listen to what Paul told Timothy, and I close. Focus, he's telling Pastor Timothy, focus on reading the scriptures to the church because that's what sets people free. Encouraging the believers, there's the gravy. Encouraging them. Don't just read them the scriptures, but encourage them, there's the gravy. Encouraging the believers and teaching them. We're to speak God's truth in love when we're in struggles, when we have failed, when we're in a battle with the devil, when we're hurting when we've got members in our church that don't know how to take another step, we're not to come beat them with the word of God. We're to share truth, encouraging truth with them. And the truth will set them free. In closing, Jesus said to all people, let's stand together, would you? Jesus is telling all of us, Loose people and let them go through the power of forgiveness by ministering truth in love. I wish I could share with you all the testimonies we hear all the time. I had somebody come up to me last week. I can't even remember which service, but a very excited young lady had been bound for years to alcohol, enslaved to it had said over and over again, I'm going to quit, laid it down, poured it down the sink, got it out of the house, and always broke again and went to the liquor store and did it again. She said, but I came into church and I got in to celebrate recovery and I heard truth. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. She said, I heard liberating truth like that. And she looked at me with a big smile and said, Pastor Jeff, I have been drink free for three months. And I did a little jig down here with her. Because you know what that is for somebody who was an alcoholic? Three months is a long time. And it means victory is setting in. But it was truth that set her free. And we have that story multiplied tons and tons of times. Who can you lose today? Is there anybody you can think of to lose Anybody you can go and just share a little truth with, with the gravy of love? Anybody that you can go and, and forgive? Huh? Think about it. Or somebody you could ask to forgive you. And you do, and doing that, you're setting people free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the truth that sets us free. I thank you for the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness over us. If you've been set free today, I want you to lift your hand. Let's just have a thank session. Let's thank Jesus that he has set us free. 
You may not be free of everything, but you're sure freer than you used to be. Go ahead. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we just thank the Lord? Can we just take a minute and say, thank you, Jesus? He's here or with us right now, and he deserves our thanks. Go ahead and thank him. Just bless him today. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free. Thank you, Lord, that we're freer than we used to be. Thank you, Lord, that those things that used to hold us don't hold us anymore. And Lord, keep on setting us free. Keep on progressively giving us town after town and city after city in the promised land of our soul. In Jesus' mighty name.